Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. I want you to take your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 25 and following. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and following. Now, the uh, last two Sundays, I have been spending some time uh, talking about the, um, the Colorado massacre uh, at the movie theater there, and, uh, and I shared with you two responses in that. Sunday a week ago, I just had a prayerful response and how I led us in a concert of prayer uh, to pray for the families of the victims and the victims that survived and, and all of that. Uh, and so we had a, just a concert of prayer and that was our prayerful response. Last Sunday, I shared with you a biblical response um, to why I think and I was answering a question that one of the reporters had asked when they said, and she said, how did we get to this point in America? And I just took us to Romans chapter 1, and it just kind of shares that's kind of where we are. We had the truth. Uh, we suppressed the truth. We no longer glorified God. We were no longer thankful for what he had done. We then changed the truth. And then the end result is we become murderers and haters of God and other type of sinful activities that it lists at the end of Romans chapter 1. And that's just pretty plain. Uh, I received a lot of tremendous amount of positive response from that message but I'm amazed at some of the rebuke that I got from that message. There were people that did not enjoy that, that have sent me emails and responses and, and how could you say things of that nature. And listen, guys, it's the Bible. I mean, I didn't feel I did anything other than just unpack Romans chapter 1. And uh, so it is what it is. And I hope and pray that that's why I say I need, I need you to scotch me. I need to know you're there uh, because I tell you, people today in our day and age really don't want to hear what the Bible says, you know? And uh, so anyway, with all that being said, and even dwelling on that, and seeing all that takes place in our nation today, and the evil that seems to be everywhere, if we're not real careful, we can be overcome by fear, and worry, and anxiety. Um, <laughs> I went to the, uh, my son and I went to the movies this past week, and he wanted me to go see the Batman movie with him, so we went and got sushi, they went to the movies, and and I said, okay, I'll go with you, but I want you to know one thing. If somebody, if somebody does something stupid, I'm taking him out. First thing, okay? I mean, if anybody does something crazy, I, I, we're going for him, all right? I mean, we're going to die trying. We're going to do something, all right? I mean, it's almost like it just, and I, I'll be honest with you. I've gone to the movies before, and I don't, know, I don't have a clue who's been sitting around me. But I promise you, I knew every face that was in that place. <laughs> And I watched every movement. When someone got up to go to the bathroom, I watched. When a door cracked open, I was aware. I mean, I knew everything that was going on around me. Now, ask me about the movie. I probably can't tell you as much about the movie as I can about the people that were watching the movie. <laughs> that kind of led me to start this little series. And I don't know how long I'll dwell on this. Um, but sometimes if we're not careful, we can allow events and things of the world like that to overcome us with this fear and this anxiety and this worry 
and, and concerned. Now, we should be aware. I'm not trying to say stick your head in the sand and just pretend nothing happened. We certainly must be aware. Uh, you know, I'm always, I try to position myself. My wife will tell you, if we go to a restaurant, I don't sit with my back to the door. I always sit at the side of the table where I can see what's happening. And I don't know if that's just that protective father mode that's in me, but I feel like it's my responsibility as the head of my household to take care of my household. And that even means to protect them. And so I even want to sit in a way that if I got to get up and protect my family, I'm going to get up and protect my family. Does that make sense? So we've got to put some preparations in, in place. We've got to be aware of our surroundings and what's happening. But we've got to be careful that it does not drive us to the place where now we are fearful of everything. And we just have all these phobias and we have all these fears and we have all these worries and all these anxieties. And, and I got on the internet and I kind of searched out different phobias. I'm not even going to go over them with you. But there's hundreds, thousands of different phobias that are out there. Do you know what the number one phobia is for, for, for all those that are polled in surveys and all of that? You know what the number one phobia is? I was shocked by this. It's, it's a fear of spiders. Really? Do you not know that God has given you dominion over all the creatures? Just stomp on it, okay? And it's over. It's done with. And, and, um, but that came back. The top number one of about all the different lists that I looked at was this fear of of spiders. Uh, but today I want to talk, and, and I'm going to spend maybe a Sunday or two on this, uh, and just talk with you a little bit, maybe three or four, I don't know, I'll just follow the leadership of the Lord on this and see how far we go. But I want to talk to you a little bit about how to overcome your fears, and how to overcome worry, how to overcome anxieties. And so in Matthew chapter 6, if you will, I'd like for you to look there. Matthew chapter 6, begin reading, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 25. And this is the words of our Lord. And he says, this is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? Let that sink in. Can you change anything, really? That's what it's saying, by worrying. And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was adored like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is, get this, shows you how fleeting this is, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow... By the way, have most of our flowers not been thrown into the furnace this summer? I mean, I love springtime, my wife and I do, and, and we go to the nurseries and we spend way more than we should on flowers and getting those things planted. And, and then I water, we got into this drought and I watered them for about two months until my bill came in and I realized I got to pay an extra $200 this month simply because of my water and sewer bill that went up. I went out, had a ceremony over my flowers. I said, you are, you are going to die. Okay. I, I am done watering you. <laughs> that's, kind of what, that's kind of what that's talking about, okay? <laughs> I see you're in the same boat, aren't you, right? I've got a theory. I've got an idea how I'm going to overcome in that area. I'll, I'll share that with you later. Uh, yet I tell you, let's see, where was I? I've got off track there. Verse 30. If that's how God closed the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow... 
won't he do much more for you? Guys, you need to underline that. Get a hold of that. I mean, if he takes care of the flowers that are here today and burn up tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? If you're marking your Bibles, you need to highlight that particular passage of Scripture. You of little, what's the next word? Faith. Faith. You of little faith. So don't worry saying what will we eat or what will we, we drink or what will we wear. For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly Father, boy, there's another passage to underline. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first. Now here's what we are to do. He's telling us the things that we're not to do. Making us aware that our Heavenly Father knows what we are in need of. And then he says in verse number 33, here's what we are to do. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, we could close out this message right now. And we have received enough from your word right now that we could leave here and not worry or fret when we place our faith in you. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the multiple copies that we are blessed with in America today. And thank you for the Holy Spirit that illuminates our mind and our hearts so that we can see what thus saith the Lord. Father, I realize after a tragedy as the Colorado movie massacre that there are those that are overcome with fear and worry and anxiety. I pray, God, that you speak to our hearts today. I pray that we would be a people that would learn how to put away the fears and the worries and place our faith and our trust in you. Father, I just ask your blessings on the remainder of our time together. I pray, God, you speak to our hearts, that you encourage each one of us, and God, you help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to notice three different times in this passage of Scripture, our Lord tells us, do not worry. Don't worry. Look, if you will, in verse number 25. He says, don't worry about your life. In verse 31, he says again, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or drink? In verse number 34, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Do you think that our Lord knew that we as fallen creatures from time to time would be people that may would fall into the activity, if you will, of worrying and fretting. And here we see where our Lord is trying to comfort us and three different times he tells us that we should not worry. Amen? Now, what does worry do for us? Matter of fact, I want to try to share with you some problems about worrying and then we want to get on the positive, but I want to deal with some some negative aspects of worrying and kind of share with you a little bit three issues, three problems about worrying. Number one, worry is unhelpful. Whenever we worry about something, it's completely unhelpful. It does not help us do a thing. Someone once said that worrying is stewing without doing. 
In other words, we're just milling it over and over and over again in our mind, and it's stewing without doing. It's unhelpful. There's nothing that ever comes positive out of worrying. You cannot change a thing from just worrying about it. Now, listen, if there are some things you can change, then I say quit worrying and start changing it. But if they're completely out of our control, why should we worry? Why should we fret? Why should we be overcome with anxieties about all of this? Don't worry. It's it's unhelpful whatsoever. Matter of fact, if you can get this picture in your mind, whenever I think about worrying, I think about my favorite NASCAR driver. Actually, it's the entire Hendrick team. Uh, You know, I love all those guys. But Jimmy Johnson. Last week, Jimmy Johnson won over in Indianapolis, the, the NASCAR race over there. And whenever I think about worrying, I think about what happens after the race. After they take the checkered flag, they'll usually go and do what? A burnout. You know how they'll just spin around and they'll lock down the front brake on the car and that's put there for one purpose, one purpose only, for when they win the race, they can lock it down and do a burnout. That's all that's really there for. It's the only purpose it has. Last week, Jimmy Johnson won the Indianapolis race for the NASCAR race and he came after he took the checkered flag and you heard a tremendous amount of noise and you saw a whole lot of smoke, but the car wasn't going anywhere. I mean, he was spinning his tires, he was racing his engine, there was a tremendous amount of smoke, but he wasn't going anywhere. It's called a burnout. You know, that's the visual that I want you to get whenever you think about worry. It's unhelpful. It's not going to change anything. It's not going to help you do anything. All you're doing is making a whole lot of noise, you're creating a tremendous amount of smoke, and you're not going anywhere. Worry. The Lord says, don't worry about your life. You can't add a cubic to it. You can't add an inch. You see, I wish I were a few inches taller. I wish I had a few pounds less. Maybe I can do something about that. Maybe not worry about that. Maybe do something about that. But, you know, we always have these things we wish we could do to our bodies. You know what? It's, it's unhelpful to worry. There is nothing that we can do. You have never solved a problem by worrying about it, have you? You have received ulcers, you have received headaches, you have become irritable and grumpy and relationships are fragmented because of your worrying, but there's nothing helpful that comes out of worrying at all. There's nothing you can change by worrying. The second thing I want you to see about worrying, not only is it unhelpful, but secondly, it's unreasonable. I mean, it's just simply unreasonable. Whenever you start worrying about something, you know what you're doing? You're really just exaggerating the problem. I mean, I have found, and I've been guilty of this, when I would worry about something, it's almost like now I'm building into this problem, and it's almost like now this problem that maybe was just a little small thing has become super, super huge and large simply because I'm stewing over it and worrying about it. It is simply just unreasonable. It makes our problems bigger and bigger and bigger, and we don't really go anywhere with it. So not only is it unhelpful, not only is it unreasonable, but I think also it's useless. I mean, worrying simply is useless. If there's nothing you can do to change it, then why worry about it? If you can change it, then I say, do something about it. But if there's nothing you can do to change it, then I think it's unuseful. And also, I believe it is unhealthy, as I've already alluded to. It's just simply unhealthy. I mean, people really have a tremendous amount of health problems simply because of worry that sets in their life. As a matter of fact, the the old English word for worry, it means to strangle. It means to choke. 
And that's exactly what happens to, our, to ourselves whenever we start worrying. We're strangling ourselves. We're suffocating ourselves. We're choking. We're getting ulcers. We're getting health problems. We're, we're fatigued. We're, we're bitter. We're, we're edgy. We're, how many have experienced that? I guess we all have from time to time. But I want to encourage you, don't be fearful. Don't have worry. Don't have anxiety. We've got to transfer all of that. And I realize every single one of us is going to have that. I mean, we can walk out here and say, okay, I'm not going to worry. And something will pop up and the first thing we'll do is worry. Right? It's almost like it's part of our sinful nature to do that. And, And we're going to worry. But whenever we find ourselves worrying about something, then we need to transfer it. Okay? We need to transfer it. We need to place it in somebody's hands that can take care of that. Well, that may lead to the question... How then? How do I overcome fear? How do I overcome worry? How do I overcome anxieties? And this is what I want you to write down. How do we overcome? We believe that God would take care of us. We simply just trust in the Lord that He will take care of us. You remember the indictment that Jesus made in Matthew chapter 6? When He said, ye of little faith? What He was saying is, guys, you don't trust me. You're worrying simply because you don't trust me. So the antidote for worrying is to believe in God, to really start trusting in Him. I love Psalm 23, and I hope you're there in your Bibles as we have the reference on the screen. Psalm 23 says this, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But just the first part of that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. I shall not have need. The Lord is my shepherd. Guys, you know what a shepherd does? Let me share with you a few things that a shepherd does. And whenever we talk about the Lord, we're talking about Him being our shepherd. A few things the shepherd does. First of all, the shepherd provides for us. I mean, He provides all of our needs. And that's what Philippians 4.16 says. That I'll provide all of your needs according to my riches and glory. He provides for us. A shepherd nurtures us. A shepherd takes care of us. A shepherd provides for us. He provides the food. He provides the basic shelter. He provides the basic needs. And what we need to start doing as a people is to trust the Lord to be our shepherd so that he will provide for us. You see, a lot of times we think, boy... I realize that I've got to provide for the family. And you see, I don't look at it that way. I look at the Lord's got to provide for us. Now, he'll do that through jobs and opportunities and careers and different things. But listen, don't ever, ever think that your job or your place of employment is the source of all of your provision. Because it is not. It's the Lord. Amen? You see... He promised you he would never leave you. He would never forsake you. And he will provide a means to provide for you if you are trusting in him. I just simply believe that. He will come through every single time. Matter of fact, the Bible says that all of God's promises are yea or yes in Christ Jesus. And there are over 7,000 different promises in the Bible. And every one of them is answered in the affirmative. Listen, we can trust God. But what we need to do is start increasing in our faith. The indictment against us is ye of little faith. Amen? Trust the Lord. He is our shepherd. And a shepherd provides for us. But not only that, a shepherd protects us. When you go out and you study the shepherd and the sheep, you'll find that he has a rod and a staff. 
Now that rod is oftentimes for protection, where he will use that rod to beat off any animals or whatever, any threat to the sheep. He will use that to protect the sheep. Our Lord does the same thing for us. You see, the Bible talks about angels that have been dispersed. You see, I believe if God somehow could lift the, the, I don't know, the physical lens of our eyes and allow us to look and see the spiritual that's taking place, guys, there is a battle in the heavenlies right now between the God, God's angels and, and even the fallen angels. I believe there's a battle. And probably if we would open our eyes and be, and, and be able to see that, it, it may just absolutely scare us to death. We may just die on the spot. I don't know. But I do know that there's a battle in the heavens. How do I know that? Because God dispatched an angel to come to Daniel back in the book of Daniel to deliver a message to him. And the angel was delayed because he got in a battle with one of the fallen angels. But here's what I want you to know. Our God is aware of what's going on in your life. Amen? Daniel had a need and he cried out to God and God was sending the answer. And And he protects us. Now, someone has asked me before, does every single individual have a guardian angel? You know, I don't know. I've heard theological debates about all of that. If we have one little guardian angel, I don't know. I just put it all, it's the Lord, you know? And whatever means he he chooses to use to protect me, I just trust in him that he's going to do that. Now, I believe we've got to pray. I believe we've got to have faith. We've got to trust him. I believe we call out. When we find ourselves in a fearful situation, when you say, God, I'm trusting you right now to, to protect my family. I'm trusting you to protect me. I'm trusting you to provide for me. I'm trusting you to be my shepherd. So a shepherd provides. A shepherd protects. Third thing a shepherd does, a shepherd guides. He guides us through life. He leads us. The staff and the rod that the shepherd has, oftentimes that staff has a, has a hook on the end of it, a, a crook on the end of it, and, and he will use that to, to bring that sheep that may be going astray. He'll use it to bring that sheep in the direction that he would want it to go. And the Lord does that to us because every single one of us, when we trust Christ as our personal Savior, we have the Holy Spirit living with, within us, and the Holy Spirit is our paraclete. In John 14, it talks about our comforter, the one who comes alongside of us and protects us us and guides us and nurtures us and leads us in the path of righteousness in the path that we should go. So the Lord protects us, the Lord provides for us, and the Lord guides us, but also a shepherd does another thing, a fourth thing, he corrects us. And I don't know if you've ever read um, Keller's book on um, the life of a shepherd and his sheep and the life of a sheepdog even in the shepherd. But, but in that he went, he followed around a, a real authentic shepherd over in the Middle East and kind of followed him around and did some studies on his life. But here's one of the interesting things that he found out. That yes, the shepherd provides. Yes, the shepherd protects. Yes, the shepherd guides. But also the shepherd corrects. You see, that shepherd, whenever he has those sheep and he has one that's wandering astray all the time, that may be getting out in harm's way or danger, that shepherd has the staff and the rod. Yes, he uses the rod oftentimes to protect and drive off the prey that may be attacking his sheep, but sometimes he'll use the rod to correct his sheep. And actually, studies have been shown that shepherds that have a sheep that is being rebellious or wandering off and getting out of the flock, oftentimes the shepherd, and it's going to break his heart to do this, but he knows it's best for the sheep, he'll take his rod and he'll break the leg of that sheep. 
So that that sheep no longer can wander away. So that sheep no longer will be rebellious and get outside of the flock and the fold where he may be in danger and ultimately die. You see, the shepherd would rather use the rod to correct the sheep by breaking its leg than allow it to wander off and eventually may be killed by the prey that is out there. But the positive and the good thing about that is that after that shepherd breaks the leg of that sheep, he immediately starts nurturing that sheep. He'll lay it down and he'll bind up the wound. And then that little sheep that's got a broken leg can't even walk and follow. You know what that shepherd does? And you've seen the pictures. When the shepherd picks up that sheep and lays him across his neck and he's carrying him, you know what's happening? It's the shepherd because possibly he broke the leg of that sheep. But now he is caring for that sheep. He's nurturing that sheep. Listen, guys, God does the same thing to us. You see, sometimes I've, sometimes I think I've witnessed this as a pastor. And I've sometimes, I think maybe I've seen God correct some people from time to time. Pull out his rod of whatever, maybe the rod of sickness, it may be the rod of losing a job, it may be the rod of financial problems, it may be the rod of whatever. And I've seen God just take the rod sometimes and do that. And I'm not the judge and I can't even say that's for sure happening. But I know that he does correct us. If he loves us, he's going to correct us and he does love us. But the, the good thing about that is, that he's right there to nurture us and he's right there to pick us up and he's right there to care for us. And guys, I don't know about you, but if we start thinking about how the Lord is our shepherd, I don't know about you, but there's a calming effect that comes over my spirit whenever I start thinking about how God cares for us, about how he is our shepherd. And it seems like the fears and the worries and the anxieties at all just leave because I know what our God can do. And that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6 when he said, Oh, ye of little faith, trust in me. He is our shepherd. He will provide for you. He will protect you. He will guide you. And he will oftentimes correct you. I'm reminded of Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 11. Listen to this verse. It's talking about our Lord. And it said, He protects His flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in His arms and He carries them in the fold of His garment and He gently leads those that are nursing. It's the Lord that does that for us, that is leading us. I don't know. We should be able to find some comfort in that church. And that should be able to help us to overcome some of the fears that we may face. Another verse of Scripture I quoted to you earlier. It's Philippians 4.19. You, you need to know this verse. And it says, and my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, does it say that my God might supply all of your needs? Maybe he'll supply all of your needs? No, it says he will supply all of your needs. Now notice, he will supply all of your needs, not all of your greeds. There's a difference, okay? He's going to give you what you need. And you know what? Someone said this, and I've challenged it. I'm still challenging it even in my own mind. Someone has made the statement, God will give you what you need, not necessarily what you want. Well, I challenge that, but I challenge it from this perspective. Psalm 23.1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I what? I shall not want. You see, I do believe the Lord will supply our needs and he will supply our wants. But get this, if the Lord is my shepherd and if I am following him and if I am one of his sheep, my wants are going to be what his wants are for me. Hello? My wants aren't necessarily going to be a million dollars and a new Mercedes and an 8,000 square foot home. 
Hello? Now that's some, that's some temporal, fleeting, secular, worldly wants. I'm not against anybody that has all that stuff. If God's blessed you with that, then praise the Lord. Amen? But realize it's God that's blessed you with that. Right? So will God supply our needs? Yes. Will he supply our wants? I believe he will as long as our wants line up with his wants for our life. And I believe that will take place as we are seeking after him and being one of his sheep. He will supply all of our needs. What does that include? Does that include our doctor bills? Yeah. Oh, mercy. Can I say something right here? I think we in America have gotten to the place, and I don't know how, I do know how we got here. I need to quit saying that. I know how we got. I preached last week how we got here. But what, I get in trouble when I say stuff like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Why in the world are we depending on the government to take care of us? I don't need the president or anybody else putting some kind of plan to take care of me. Hello? God said, I'll take care of you. It's almost like the children of Israel that did not have a king. And they looked around and they saw all these other nations that had a king. God said, I'll be your king. And they said, we don't want you to be our king. We want a king like the other nations. And God said, okay, I'll give you a king. But was that the best for the nation of Israel? No. It's almost like we're at that place today. We need somebody to provide health care. We need somebody to take care of our needs. We need somebody to do this for us. God's saying, really? I mean, I've told you I will take care of that. I always get in trouble when I get off on stuff like this. But guys, listen, I, I'm not dependent. I even said this, too. I'm not dependent on the government to take care of me. I'm not even dependent on this church. Now, this church provides my salary. As a matter of fact, it's by the salary this church provides for me that I'm able to put food on the table for my kids and able to pay our mortgage and, and all that we've got to do. But I've told my wife many years ago when I first went into ministry over 20 years ago, I said, listen, my paycheck, I, I said this first of all, my tongue will never be tied to a paycheck. In other words, I'm going to preach what thus saith the Lord, whether the church likes it or not. And if they refuse to pay me, then I'll move off and preach somewhere else. My tongue will never be tied to a paycheck. Amen. Hello? But also, get this. Amen. We need more preachers like that. But get this. I'm thankful for what our church does for us. But my source of income comes from the Lord. I mean, there was a day. Listen, I know. There was a day. There was a day in 1999 when we started Victory Church that our monthly tithe and offering was about 1,200 bucks. And that was on a good month. And we had to do all of ministry and everything. Listen, there was no provision financially coming for me there. I was employed by the mission board to start this, thankfully for that. But I'm talking about, listen, I know where my provision comes from. It doesn't come from this body, and now God may use you to provide for me. But it's the Lord, ultimately, that's providing for me. And the same thing in your line of work, in your career, whatever it may be. It's not the government. It, you say, what would happen if, I'm, if I get out of the military? And we've had several, fam- several men and women, they've even gotten out of the military. And sometimes they're overcome with worry and fret. And I try to comfort them. They listen, it's not the military that's your source of provision. It's God that used the military to provide for you. He's still there. Amen. He will still provide. Amen. Amen. The Lord is our shepherd. 
We shall not want. So does that include, and then Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Does that include my doctor payments? Yes. Does that include my mortgage payments? Yes. Does that include my spiritual needs? Yes. Does that include my financial needs? Yes. Does that include my health needs? Yes. Does that include my relationship and relational needs? Yes. Every area in my life I trust, and we all need to be trusting the Lord to provide for that. Not anything else. I almost think, I almost think whenever we get to the point where we're trusting someone else other than God to provide, I almost think that is idolatry. I almost think that is an abomination to God. I mean, can you imagine how broken he is when you think, whenever we think about God providing for us, and by the way, I just see a typo in that. I apologize. That's got three L's instead of two. Whenever we see... Whenever we see and we depend on other things, it's almost like saying, God, I just don't, I'm not going to trust you. And it's almost like we build another graven image and we're worshiping that image instead of God because it's that image or whatever it is may be, whether it's a career, whatever it may be, that is meeting our need. God says, I want you to trust in me. I want you to look to me. Amen? <laughs> well, I think whenever we are filled with worry and anxiety, and even fear. Now, I believe there are times we need to be concerned and be aware of what's taking place. But we've got to be careful that that doesn't overcome us because when it does, I think we've allowed it to overcome our faith and we've allowed it to shadow our God and, and we're not really trusting in Him. I think we need to increase in our faith. Someone may ask the question, well, how do I make the Lord my shepherd? That is a great question and I'm so glad you asked it. Let me share with you in closing real quick. How do we make the Lord our shepherd. Here's how you do it. You accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And you enter into a relationship with Him. How do we make the Lord our shepherd? How do we make God our shepherd? Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. The psalmist David had a very personal relationship with God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. How do we do that? We accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. You may ask the question, well, Jesus wasn't even born whenever whenever David did this. You see, I believe the Old Testament saints experience salvation the same way the New Testament saints do. You see, we look back to the cross. I believe they look to the cross. The very first gospel we find in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when God prophesied even in that day that I will send my son. And so all those Old Testament saints, they look to the cross, and we, because it's in our past, look back at the cross. But we're saved the same way, by accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. I want to leave one last verse of Scripture with you in John 10 and 14. Jesus said this, Whenever, I believe whenever we accept Jesus as Lord, it means three things. And he said this in John 10 and 14. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me. They listen to my voice and they follow me. Now here's you a good test to see if you truly are one of his sheep. And if he truly is your shepherd. And if you really have trusted him as your Lord and Savior. In John 10 and 14 and 27, and I've kind of put it down in a nutshell there, that passage of scripture... The Lord said, my sheep know me. Do you know him? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you know him? And then he said, my sheep listen to me. Are you listening to the voice of our God? You say, does God speak today? Sure he does. He speaks through his word. He speaks through our inward conscience, through the Holy Spirit. 
He speaks through circumstances. He, he speaks through other godly people when we get godly counsel. God is always speaking to us. The problem is we don't listen. So how, three ways. I know he's my Lord. I know him. I listen to him. And I follow him. And whenever we do these three things, then you can be sure that you know Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. Trust in him. He has made all provision for you. Get this. Get this. If he gave his son to die for you, don't you think he'll take care of next month's mortgage payment? If he gave his son to die for you, don't you think he'll take care of where your next meal is going to come from? If he gave his son to die for you, don't you think he'll take care of the clothes that will be on your back? Don't you think he'll take care of shelter over your head? Don't you think he will make provision for you? I mean, he bankrupt heaven for your salvation and for your soul. Don't you think he'll take care of these other temporal things? Why is it we don't worry as much about eternity as we do the temporal things that are fleeting? I mean, we're only here for a short period of time. I don't see people really worrying and fretting over their eternal life and their eternal soul, which is of far more consequence than whether I'll get fed tonight or whether I'll sleep in the outside tonight or not. Hello? Now I realize those are basic needs. But why do we worry about sometimes the basic needs? Think about what God has provided. He bankrupt heaven, heaven for you when he gave his son. And now whenever I look at the cross, I think God's going to take care of it. If he took care of me there without me even knowing him, if he took care of me there when I was ungodly and unruly, if he took, listen, you would not have liked me in high school. And I know this is my wife and I's 28th anniversary. Yesterday was. And, and I remember the first, man, I had, I had my eyes on this left-handed point guard that played for our high school basketball team. And, and man, she was a jock in high school. Do you realize she graduated high school and never picked up a basketball after that? I mean, she had a, she had a scholarship to a college to go play basketball and she didn't go because she fell in love with me. <laughs> but I remember watching her pop, and this is the day before three-pointers, but I remember watching her pop those, those outside shots and watching her dribble and dish off and watching her go to the free-throw line and pop those. I mean, man, I like, I like that girl. <laughs> I told my best friend, my two best friends, Mark Best and Jeff Jackman, and I said, listen, I think I'm going to ask her out. And, oh, you're not? Yeah, I think I am. And I went home that evening. I told my mom, I said, Mom, we need, and she had dinner ready for us that evening. And, and uh, so I sit at the dinner, dinner table. I said, I got to go. She gets done with practice. I forget exactly what time it was, but I remember it was after dinner. And I said, she's going to get out of practice. I've got to be there. So I rushed home from school early that day, and I cleaned my car up, and I got it all taken care of. And, and then I ate dinner, and I told my mom, and I went down there and I asked her out. And I even forgot why I was telling you this story. Now I kind of got caught up in this story. I don't know. I asked her out. And she said yes. Amen. Thank the Lord for that. I don't even know where I was going with that story. Here's what I want you to know. That the Lord loves you. It'll come to me later. I'll, I'll put it on Facebook later today. Where I was going with that story. I, I was leading somewhere with that story. To illustrate a point. What? Yes, he did provide. He, he certainly did provide. Amen. <laughs> Here's what I know. The Lord loves you. And he doesn't want you living this life filled with fear and anxieties and worry and fretting. Let it go. Transfer it over to the Lord. He loves you. He provides for you. Trust in him. Amen? I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed and our musicians are coming. Do you know the Lord is your Savior?
I guess the question I want to ask you is, who is in control of your life? Who is it that's in control of your life? Is it you? You know, friends, if you're the one that's sitting on the throne of your life, if you're the one that is in control of your life, you've got every reason in the world to be worrying, to be fretting, to be filled with anxiety, and to be overcome with fear. If you're trusting in yourself, you have every reason to be fearful. But if you have placed your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you have no reason to be fearful. You have nothing to be afraid of. So who is in control of your life? Maybe you're here this morning and, and you're thinking, you know, I've, I don't know that I've ever really trusted in Jesus to be my Savior. I may have gone through some religious activity, but I don't know that I've ever really entered into a relationship with Him. I wonder right now, right now this morning, will you simply just call out to the Lord and say, Dear God, pray a prayer something like this. Say, Dear God, today I want to trust you as my Savior and my Lord. God, I've sinned and I've got sin in my life. And right now, God, I repent of that sin. I ask for forgiveness. I pray, dear God, that you would forgive me of my sins. And I believe that you gave your son, the Lord Jesus, to die on the cross. And all of my sins and the sins of the whole world were placed on him there. And that he was buried in the tomb and he rose victoriously after three days. And today he's ascended to the right hand of you, O oh God. And there he's making intercession for me even now. And today, I want to ask Him into my life to be my Lord, to be my Savior. Save me today, Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've already accepted Christ as your Savior. He's already your Lord. But maybe you've found yourself overcome with worry and fear and anxiety, things that are completely outside of your control. What needs to happen today is we need to transfer that. God doesn't want you living like that. He says many times in His Word, do not worry. So right now, let's give that to the Lord. I'm going to help you pray. And if that's you, why don't you pray a prayer or something like this. Just say, oh God, forgive me for my lack of faith. Forgive me, Lord, for not trusting in you. You are my shepherd. I shall not want. Right now, God, I transfer all of that worry and all of that anxiety and all of those fears and phobias. God, I place them on you. I pray, God, you would increase my faith in you. Pray, Lord, whenever I'm shot with a fiery dart from Satan himself and worry finds its way back into my spirit, help me, God, to recognize it immediately and to transfer it over to you. You are our Lord. You are our provider. You are our protector. You are our king. You are our Lord. You, oh God, are our Savior. Father, we place all of our cares upon you because you love us.
gave us a great example of that on the cross. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.